0: Well, hello, ladies and gents, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I've got special guest Judy Cho on the line. This podcast, this conversation, this this episode was pure gold. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed every moment of the conversation. We are speaking the same language, and she's got an amazing story. She's got an amazing message, and she's doing a lot of good here. So she was... Uh, plant-based for twelve years. She went keto, but with a plant-based version of keto. Uh, she's went. She's gone through eating disorders, psychological eating disorders. She's gone through malnourishment, everything, and then she found carnivore. Has dove super deep into carnivore. She's coming into the carnivore space without all the, the biases and this dogmatic thinking that you see running rampant right now. She has got some amazing information that's going to be incredibly helpful to anybody listening. So I thoroughly encourage you to sit back, relax. Don't relax too much, though. Grab a notepad, take some notes, and tune in to this amazing conversation with Judy. And Judy, we are live. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing wonderfully well. I'm excited to talk to you because you are a wizard when it comes to all things carnivore, and you've been doing it for quite some time now. Um, So before we dive super deep into the nuts and bolts of what you do nutritionally, I'd love to get some backstory as to to what got you headed down this path in the first place, if you don't mind.
1: Sure. So I have been carnivore for about two and a half years now, and then before that I was keto for about a year. um, I... Born and raised in Los Angeles, California. And you know, but out there, it's very plant uh plant-based friendly. And so I was plant-based for about 12 years, and then I started suffering from an eating disorder. I had no idea that they were related. I mean, everyone says, wow, you're plant-based, that's so healthy, it's so good for the environment, it's so good for your own health. And so I believed it. I went to Cal Ber- Berkeley, and again, very, very plant-based friendly out there too. Uh, very environmentally friendly. And so I did that. And then I was in business consulting for a decade and my health just started getting worse. You know, we could eat whatever we wanted since we were on a corporate card. But over time, I noticed behind closed doors, I would get cravings. And so I'd end up kind of binging and then, you know, using mechanisms to kind of manage my weight because now I was known as the plant-based person that was thin and looked really good that way. And so behind closed doors, you know, I use eating disorder behaviors and then I got really sick and, you know, I kind of just live with it. But, um, when I had my first child, that's kind of when everything hit the wall. So I had mastitis from nursing. And so at six months I had to take antibiotics and I wasn't sleeping. I was still using behaviors, And when I took the antibiotics with the lack of sleep, I literally woke up without my memory. And so my family didn't know what to do with me. They just thought I was acting a little weird. Um, And so they sent me to uh, the mental ward of a hospital on New Year's Eve because I was just acting not myself. And so the hospital gave me antipsychotics and antidepressants. They diagnosed me with uh, postpartum, severe postpartum antidepression. Um, And then they just kind of threw all this medication at me to kind of get me back to normal. They never figured out what it was. I honestly think that the antibiotics wiped out any good gut bugs, messed with the serotonin in my brain. And then I don't know what happened to make me lose my memory, but it's for a few weeks of my life, I just don't know what happened. I do know that I had to stop nursing my son because of that. And so every day I'd wake up and I'd ask for my son and they would have to tell me that I stopped nursing because I was on medication. And every day I they were to- I was told that I would cry about it. And I mean, I still get emotional now. It's a lot better, but um, I just went through that. And then after leaving there, I went to an eating disorder t- treatment center. It was really good. I learned a lot of like cognitive dialectical behavior therapy. But, you know, their their way of teaching me the dietitians and their way of teaching me to eat was, hey, you shouldn't have no fear of food. And here's your test. It's, uh, you know, eating a cupcake, this is your challenge food, and they would sit there watching you eat it. And if you wouldn't eat it, and after one or two meals, they would force you into a room and you would have to eat a cup of Ensure, which is pretty much soybean oil and a lot of corn syrup. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't eat that, then they would eventually force you to do this um, more kind of stricter uh, level of care. And that's what I would see. And so when I left there, yes, I my behavior is better, but I noticed I'd always kind of fall back because I was still eating plant-based. It's funny because in there, you are not allowed to say you are low carb, so you cannot restrict carbohydrates whatsoever. But if you say, hey, I'm plant-based, they completely honor it, which I think is pretty ridiculous. But, you know, um, it's, it's just funny that they do that and they don't teach you much about uh, nutrition other than, hey, you shouldn't fear anything and you should just have like a variety of food and that's good. And so, you know, I saw all different types of really, really sick people and the way they eat, they just... I mean, we we just don't know. And so when I got out, I just, uh, I was pregnant with my second son, and I didn't want to go through what I went through with my first son. And so I started really looking into nutrition, and that's when I started finding keto. And I did keto for a while, and it worked really, really well. Um, you know, just eating a fat-based diet was very, very beneficial for me, but I was still plant-based, and it really took me to go to carnivore and just become meat-based, where then uh, I, I noticed that the cravings were gone. So, you know, the 20 grams of carbohydrates on keto or whatever amount you allow yourself, that would eventually on harder days always kind of get me back to that binge. So with carnivore, since you're not having any of the sugar, it's just not a food, right? So those food groups of sugar and um, any even sweeteners, they're not as kind of addictive. And so for me, that's what sort of helped uh, just kind of get over the whole eating disorder. Um, Eating meat based has tremendously helped with my mental health. So I don't struggle at all with any depression or anxiety. Uh, I'm not on any medication at all. When they told me, my psychiatrist back then told me that for the rest of my life, I would have to take antidepressants and I don't. And so I've now become an advocate because one, At six months, I mean, your biggest fear is that you'll be a failure as a mom because I mean, no one knows what they're doing as new parents. Right. But that became a reality for me. I, my son was in Los Angeles while I was in Texas getting treatment for my eating disorder. So for a month, I wasn't with my son. And at six months, like you can't help but feel like a failure, right? So for me, it's just now I want to educate people with when it comes to meat, when it comes to nutrition, so that no one ever has to go through what I did.
0: I love it. I love it. It's, it's, it's hard when it takes something so negative to kind of light the fire under you to to open your eyes to what's really important and what compels you to, to make this your identity, basically, and then help many others with it. But it's, it's, Like, I don't think it could have been any other way. Like, you have to have that crazy low in order to make you feel disinvigorated to do what you're doing.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, you know, I think the reason why we go through hardships as humans is, I mean, that's what allows you to appreciate the good, right? So if everything's always good, how do you appreciate it? Totally agree. Yeah.
0: I, I've struggled with eating disorders quite a bit in the past as well before okay. going keto. I, with my bodybuilding, I would I would, I would would just be super restrictive to food and then I would have all these, these cravings uh, and then I would binge and then I would purge and it just became this crazy negative feedback loop that took me years and years and years to overcome. But right. I think, and tell me what you think here, but I feel like this idea of being able to moderate all different macronutrient, all different food groups as being a healthy thing is incredibly counterproductive to overcoming eating disorder. For me, when I switched over to keto and I could see that, okay, the only foods I'm consuming are quality foods that I know are nourishing me. Even if I'm eating them in surplus, that's still so much better for me psychologically than knowing that I'm trying to moderate foods that are just not conducive to a healthy being.
1: Yeah, so I totally agree with you. Um, It's interesting, so I always, especially in these eating disorder facilities, it's all about moderation, right? So they don't have any numbers. They don't want you to talk about numbers, calories, um, the ingredients, it's all, this is equal to one carbohydrate, one protein, one fat. That's how they kind of label everything. And so everything is equal. The foods they serve in there are like microwave pizzas and they give you a little bit of salad. And if you don't use all the dressing, it's like a minus one. And so there's all these kind of rules, but they never teach you that, hey, maybe it's okay that you're an abstainer, right? So it's it took me to read this book from um I'm it's uh, I'm forgetting the name, uh, but she wrote a book where uh, she talks about in different types of especially in types of kind of behaviors and addictions that we either are abstainers or we are moderators, right? So if you are naturally a moderator and then someone says, "Hey, you can never have um, sugar anymore, you can never have chocolate, you can never have XYZ, then the moderator knowing that they are naturally moderators, they'll go crazy because they're knowing that they can, the word never is being used, it drives them insane just at their core. Mm-hmm. And so that's how sort of the world functions, right? So we function at sort of like a everything in moderation is good. But there are also people that are abstainers and society never talks about these types of people and abstainers. It's the opposite. So if you're saying, hey, you can have just like a little bit of sugar or you can have a little bit of X, Y, Z and that's okay, And that's how what's true freedom or true healing. Well, abstainers don't work that way. Right. So ninety nine percent of um, no carbs is much more difficult than saying, hey, carbs just aren't a food for you. Uh, you don't need to eat like bread and grains and uh, you, those aren't just foods. That's so much easier for an abstainer than to say, hey, just have a little bit every day and you should test yourself by having a little bit every day. And so I think it's really important. That was really freeing for me for when I learned that. When I learned that, hey, it's actually okay to be an abstainer and that's actually a real thing versus I need to fit this moderator role when I know I'm kind of not like that. And so that was really, really freeing for me. And I think for a lot of carnivores and even people in keto, I think that's the reason why it works, right? So for once we're saying, no, we embrace our abstinence personalities and we can thrive on it.
0: Yeah, I I could not agree more. I think think if more people you know, opened up to that as an option and a viable outlet, That's, I feel like their, their ability to, to sustain any type of eating protocol would be just significantly amplified. Um, and you yeah. wouldn't have all this back and forth. Um, totally. I mean, honestly, when you look at what vegans are doing, I mean, they're, they're abstainers in a sense as well. They're abstaining from, from meat, but then they're not getting a lot of that nutritional density. So it kind of, right. you, you got to make sure you're abstaining from the bad foods and, and <laughs> keeping in the good foods.
1: Yeah. I always wondered if I was keto and I ate meat, would it have made the difference? Because I didn't eat meat. So I just don't know. Um, And so that's really interesting. But I, I agree. I think vegans, they probably are abstainer personalities too. And they're just eating the wrong foods, right? There's just so many nutrients that are missing or very low in a vegan diet, and they're not eating enough good fats, which you need for hormone health, mental health, and so there's all, and then on top of that, uh, plant foods just have a lot of anti-nutrients, which are probably wrecking their gut. And I mean, vegans are known to have digestive issues. So mm-hmm. I just think they're, you know, fueling their body with the wrong foods.
0: So just to make sure I'm following you, you were, you were vegan for 12 years. Is that what you said?
1: No. So I was vegetarian and I would have an occasional fish. So technically it's pescatarian, but it was definitely plant-based. There were a lot of days I wouldn't eat. Any animal products, but there were some days, you know, I would have the eggs or mm-hmm. um, dairy, but that was minimal.
0: And then from there, you transitioned to keto. So you're doing the ketogenic macronutrient breakdown, but it was a plant based version yes. of keto. So no, yeah, an occasional
1: fish. Um, but then eventually, I don't know. I think I, you know, I just took the deep dive. Of trying carnivore, and it was, and I got sick right the first day. I had, I think I had some beef patties, and I I ended up throwing up because I felt so um, I just wasn't used to the meat. I don't know. I mean, it was twelve years since I had meat, but after that, it was fine. I mean, after, you know, I just slowed my kind of consuming of the meats it. and then over time I was able to eat even up to two pounds in one sitting which now I know it doesn't sit as well in my stomach but yeah in general I can consume about one and a half pounds of meat and I'm totally fine
0: was your original desire to to be plant-based from like an ethical standpoint or did you just think that, that was healthier overall
1: I thought it was healthier. So I there was this kind of rage about um, the master cleanse, which is basically the lemon detox diet where you just have maple syrup and lemon. And I did it. I, I was able to do it for like 12 days. And, that, and then I'm very inquisitive. So I didn't just do it. I wanted to know the science behind it. And so I read the doctor's book and he talks about how meat just putrefies in your gut, how it takes like two days to digest and is just rotting your guts. And so reading that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this makes a lot of sense. And so when I got off the master cleanse, I ended up being um, plant-based for then 12 years. So it started with, hey, I just want to be healthier. I have a little excess weight I want to lose. My energy's not there. And then when I went plant-based, I felt good for the first, I don't know, maybe year. And then the eating disorder just totally kicked in not knowing that that meant, you know, malnutrition. Instead, I just thought I had some mental issues. But, and then, uh, yeah, so I went 12 years. And then in that process, obviously, then you start seeing like the PETA groups and the people that are, you know, animal advocates. And then so I started learning more about that. And then I felt like I was more animal advocacy, which I think it's totally misbranded when you're, a plant-based person you just believe in all these things which they're not showing you the true picture right so um you know i watched all the vegan movies the the heart-wrenching animal movies but it's um it's just really propaganda
0: yeah totally totally so when you yeah. when you decided that you were going to try you know jump full force into carnivore was, was it like a like did you feel like okay i'm at a crossroads in which my health depends on this how do i get past this ethically like what was that transition like
1: so yeah so um my husband only knew me as plant-based so he thought it was so weird for me to uh, you know become carnivore and so i kind of try to hide it at first i was just like okay maybe i should just try a little bit of meat and i mean And so I finally just had the courage and I shared with him, I'm like, you know what, for, you know, I'm good for like four months and then I kind of fall off. Um, I don't know if it's the keto diet. You know, I'm seeing all these benefits of meat from all these people, the carnivore diet, you know, people are saying that they heal so much, they heal the mental health aspects. And so I just want to try it. I mean, I'm so close to healing, but I still have these bouts where I end up falling then I go through this depression, and then I, you know, start using behaviors, and I don't want to go through this anymore. And so I just tried it. My husband was very skeptical, but I mean, literally after six months, maybe a year, my husband's like, "Okay, you know, I was totally against the carnivore diet. Uh, meat based just doesn't seem to make sense." But you are a one hundred and eighty degree different person. That if this works for you, I am totally supportive of you doing this for the rest of your life. So that's kind of what happened and just what made me stay the ethical part. I think I had a slight dilemma in the beginning, but, you know, as I learn more, I just know that it's not a true statement in, in my upcoming book, I have a whole section on the, the ethical dilemma of eating meat. And just, there's just not a lot of support for, you know, like if you eat meat that's regener um, that uses regenerative agriculture, it's not a um, negative on the planet, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm an avid hunter, so I'm, yeah, oh, okay, I'm speaking okay, the same okay, language yeah. there. Um,
1: yeah. And then my argument that I always tell people now is, if you think about it, the circle of life is that these cows give us nutrients, right? And then if we are buried in the soils as well, eventually we'll give nutrients for them to also eat greater, you know, higher quality grass as well. So it's it's really a circle of life. And I always try to tell these vegans that are like, you're putting harm to the animals. And then they're very kind of, you know, very, uh, um, opinionated towards me and what I kind of share with the community. So, but the question is, if you're not taking care of yourself, are you really practicing this kind of self-love to everyone? Right? So if you are just caring for the animals, what about yourself and your family and your loved ones? So the, that logic for me is not there anymore.
0: Yeah, there's I mean there there's a, there's a lot of the story that's not getting told. I mean, yes. I I don't like to see animals suffer by any stretch of the imagination. I don't sure. like this big factory farming. I don't like I don't like that at all. I don't like um, you know, inhumane uh slaughtering of animals by any stretch right. of the imagination, but to for for vegans to think that they're not harming animals when they monocrop uh. soy field. I mean, it's just it's just yeah. not the whole story being told here. So I agree. agree. And I talk about
1: all those things that, you know, the diet is really new. It was coined in the 1950s, uh, that a lot more animals, if you were to consider rodents, birds, little critters, things that, um, you know, nourish the soil, if you consider all of that, there's a graphic that talks about all the different uses of cows. Um, If you ever get shots, I mean, every almost all shots have some type of human or animal cell in it. So Mm -hmm. it's just, They just don't know, and they're just so upset, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I would imagine you've kind of painted yourself into a corner with some of the vegans in the community. I feel like they (laughs) they, they would not be too happy with the message you're preaching now. Um, That's good, though, because you're putting out good information. So from a nutritional standpoint alone, I mean, you must have been just incredibly malnourished in the sense that you were not getting any of those animal animal foods in but you were also probably under consuming your total caloric intake drastically yes. so you your hormones were shot your metabolisms were was shot i mean everything was shot
1: yes yes uh so i th- i think i was lucky where maybe my genetics took um into play and i was still able to get pregnant uh and so that wasn't a huge issue but my mental health was what went to the trash i mean i i would go to work and my You know, people would tell me, like, I don't know which Judy I'm going to get today because I was super moody. Um, I, and obsession, I was always obsessed about food. So always thinking, Oh, I, uh, you know, wh- what have I eaten so far that what can I eat at dinner? You know, what allow allowance of calories. And then even if I ate just that specific amount, I'd end up binging a lot of times because I think my body was looking for fat because I was also on a low fat diet. So for example, with salads, I'd always get the low fat option um, for dressing, or I would use mustard, you know, it was just really extreme. And so I, I think by the end of the night, my body is just hungry for fat. And so I would, I noticed I would just binge off of really fatty foods. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I would try to compensate, like whether it was working out or just not eating for a long period of time. But uh, definitely, I think you can't hide the, when you are malnourished, when it comes to your mental health, because your body will prioritize survival over, let's say mental health. So for example, If your body needs cortisol to allow you to kind of sustain every day, then your body will use the nutrients that you're getting to, um, to create cortisol, which can be made from cholesterol, for example, and then it won't use it to fuel like nutrients for brain health, right? So you can survive another day, even if your hormones or your brain health is in the drain, but you can't survive if you don't have enough cortisol to be sustaining your body just to live. Right. So I, I think most people that have mental health issues, I would first, you know, try a try a uh, more nutrient dense diet and see if that can help, rather than just getting on medications. Because one, medications will make you nutrient depleted, and then secondly, they will change the chemistry of your brain. And you know, it's just you, we're not told all these things when it can significantly change uh, your biochemistry.
0: Absolutely. I'd love to dive into, uh, like, when, when you look at what really is is great about a well-formulated ketogenic diet that is particularly animal-based and and or a carnivore diet. Um, you know, you're, you're you're getting a lot of high-quality saturated fats in, and I've known that there's been this increasing debate, I guess, within the the low-carb community as to whether or not the emphasis should be placed on protein or dietary fat, and I feel yeah. like you know, for me, in my experience, the reason keto or carnivore is so effective is because you're, you're getting enough, you're getting adequate fats in the context of high quality protein as well. But I feel like a lot of people are, are, it's kind of going in reverse, like people are becoming scared of fat again, in a sense, and they're just prioritizing protein. But I feel like from a hormonal and a metabolic standpoint, you could speak to the importance of fats. And I'd love for you to just kind of have the floor and, and speak on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see that a lot. So when I first started keto, I would hear these things about, you know, if you have fat on your body, you don't need to be consuming extra fat because you can use, your body can use in a ketogenic state. It could use the fat on your body to fuel your body. So, Mm -hmm. and it, it logically again, makes sense, right? So, oh, okay. So I'll just eat enough protein. And then the fat on my body will be used and it'll burn up and then I can lose weight. And there are a lot of advocates out there in the keto space that kind of push for that. And so I, you know, when I first went carnivore, I, I used that thought. So I didn't use as high fat. I just ate the fat that was on the meat, but sometimes I ate a leaner cut of meat. And so, um, instead of worrying about fat anymore, cause I was no longer doing keto is more carnivore. So just focusing on protein, I started eating about, I mean, the you know recommendation is start with two pounds of meat. So I started that. But what I noticed is after uh, after a meal, I would get really sleepy and I would get really tired and I just didn't want to do anything. I would get brain fog. And so um, I started just questioning, wait, is this right? Like what what's going on? And so I started tracking my blood glucose numbers and in the morning I would be in the low hundreds. And then after a meal, I'd be like at 130 something. And this is consuming no carbs. And I knew something was wrong at that point. So I started playing with not doing one meal a day anymore. So first I did two meals a day, or I'm sorry, I swapped to two meals a day. And then I broke it up to one pound each and it got better, but my blood glucose was still high. So then I started, you know, looking into, okay, what's up with these macros? And really like the minimum that I guess a lot of the keto carnivore space says is to have about 0.8 grams of protein, per one pound of ideal body weight. And Mm -hmm. so I'm about 135. And so then I don't need to even eat one and a half pounds of meat if that's the true um, kind of the measurement. And so I started eating just about 0.8 or um, 0.7. Sorry, like three quarters of a pound of meat per meal, and I started adding a lot more fat. And that's what did the trick for me. And as I've met with so many clients. um, And most of my clients are just meat based for the last two years now. And it's really, really common with most women. So most of the women that come see me say, Hey, I now have a lot of fatigue on carnivore. So initially, they were feeling great, but now they have fatigue. They're waking up multiple times in the middle of the night, and they just are not feeling great. I have them check their blood glucose from the morning, one hour, uh, right before they eat one hour after and then two hours. Sometimes they do three since meat takes longer to kind of spike your numbers, but, and it shows like most of them are in their pre-diabetic or diabetic numbers. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, protein should not be the kind of baseline and that fat's the lever. I think it should be the opposite, especially for women that had metabolic disease and that also suffered with either thyroid or hormone health. And most of my clients kind of fall into that. And so when I have the women eat more of the 0.8 grams or one uh, one gram per one pound of ideal weight. They're, they sit around one pound to one and a half pounds of meat. And then I try to get them to eat about 70% fat. So it's more of a ketogenic state. And then if they can even try 80% if they can tolerate it in, um, in terms of total calories they consume. And that is the biggest, biggest shift I see for all of my clients. So now they're sleeping through the night, right? So they're not waking up because they have a go- glucose slash cortisol response from too much protein that maybe is converting because of gluconeogenesis. Uh, they Their morning blood sugars are in the 80s now, right? Their energy is increasing. So that was all it took. But there's just so much dogma or so much kind of education where they're where it's saying just eat enough protein and don't worry about the fat or eat less fat because if you have fat on your body, you don't need to be consuming fat. But the thing is, again, uh, if you are a naturally stressed person or your life is really stressful or you had metabolic disease where your adrenals need to release cortisol uh, to help balance your blood sugar, that is that uses cholesterol. and And then on top of that, if you are high-stressed, your body will make cortisol instead of making your sex hormones. But if you feed enough fat to the body, you have a better chance at nourishing and making all these hormones. And so I think when people are like, you should just eat protein or focus more on protein. I think for some people that's fine. Some people can tolerate it. I noticed that men are a little bit better with that, but in general for women, again, if you had any metabolic disease coming into carnivore or keto and you had any thyroid or hormone issues? I think you should eat a plentiful amount of fat.
0: I know this is just an audio podcast, so you can't see me smiling right now, but I'm definitely smiling right now because I've been preaching okay. the same message for for years, it seems. Oh, okay. And it's it's just it it fills me with joy to hear somebody else, uh, you know, echo the same message because I feel like like for me, you know, I I've always done a meat based. I'm basically like carnivore, uh, with keto bricks, which is basically sure. something I make with a bunch of fat, but basically it's all right. ketogenic macros. Like I typically in between 75 and 78% of my calories coming from dietary fat, but I eat okay. quite a bit of protein as well. And I've worked with hundreds of clients over the years and I've, I've just, I've got this pattern recognition down and how yeah. people respond to certain macronutrient ratios and macronutrient profiles. And it's, it's frustrating me to see this uh, you know, like so many people when when keto really hit its its spike in two thousand seventeen, um, you know, all these people were pouring in and it was all about doing high fat, moderate protein, low to no carb. And people were seeing great success. And then it kind of shifted too far towards that and people would under consume protein. They'd be super scared about gluconeogenesis right. and they would just <laughs> under consume protein. And then it went the pendulum swung so far the opposite direction, in which everybody was just prioritizing protein. At the the loss of dietary fat, and then, like it just wasn't good. I mean, people's hormones went back, and it was just funny to see these people in the keto space trying to do keto without any fat. And it's like, what well, what are you doing? This is this is not even what keto is. Um, yeah. So it's good to hear you reiterate that because I feel like you know when you look at it from the perspective of if you're not eating carbohydrates, then your your glucose is no longer your primary fuel source. So fat and ketones are, and if you remove those right. from the equation. You know, you're know you relying on gluconeogenesis, which is not really an efficient uh, you know, mechanism yes. for creating energy. You have to have that dietary fat in, but you have to have adequate protein. But if you get both of those dialed in appropriately, and everybody's going to have a little bit of bioindividuality individuality from a, which macronutrient ratio they respond the best to, but as long as you have adequate protein and a pretty solid amount of dietary fat, you're going to be in that, that ballpark of a good ratio. So it's good to see and hear other people preaching that same message because... Once you get that down, then it's just so far and above anything you could do by going from the extremes.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean I – you know, when I first went carnivore, the kind of general rule of thumb is don't worry about anything. Just eat two pounds of meat and it doesn't work. I think it doesn't work for most women especially. I mean if you think about it, for you to want to try carnivore, you have to be – You know, kind of at your wits' end, right? So most people are not going to come to carnivore just thinking I want to biohack, I want to, you know, um, live forever. It's a lot of people are just sick, where they're like, look, I've tried everything, I've tried medication, I've gone to the doctors, I just am not feeling well. That I'm willing to just try meat alone. And so for those people, oftentimes eating just two pounds of meat just does not do it. And you know, I it took me a while to kind of see the writing on the wall, but it was enough clients that I've seen that, I mean, it's just the high fat really works better. And it gives you, like you said, the fuel source. I mean, when you eat too lean of protein, that's basically the rabbit starvation diet, right? Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of energy within our bodies to break down proteins. And so if we are just consuming proteins, our our internal body is already putting a lot of effort in. And if you don't even have the Correct mechanisms in the body functioning, then you're just going to feel a ton of fatigue. So again, I think that the whole use, you know, use um, consume protein and then fat as a lever, and only if you don't have a ton of fat on your body. I just think it's a, a detriment to a lot of um, people in the space.
0: Completely, completely, completely agree. Um, y- you spending so much time in the the vegetation based, you know, plant based vegan space. You yes. you probably saw firsthand a very dogmatic way of thinking towards nutrition, and you're probably, I I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I assume you're probably witnessing some of that on the opposite end of the spectrum within the carnivore space as yes. well. Is that correct?
1: yeah, so I mean, you know, when I first joined, you know, so that two pounds of kind of dog that that's definitely a dogma. Um, so there's this whole meat heals everything. and again, that was another dogma I had to overcome. So I wanted to believe that, hey, for me personally, uh, eating meat only tremendously helped my mental health, right? So I'm off medication. so then I believe that. But the other thing I noticed is when I started trying to eat higher fat, I would have loose stools. And so I knew from even my schooling that I needed to work on my gut. And so I, you know, use digestive aids and hydrochloric acid, which is stomach acid to help break down the meats and then some probiotics to kind of, you know, replenish my good gut bugs in my body. And now I really take no supplements, but now I feel great, right? So it took me to take a little bit of supplements in the beginning, Uh, you know, eat more than just one meal a day, eat less than two pounds, and then add more fat, and then just kind of figure out what's best for me. But that is not what the original carnivore diet says. It's basically, you don't need any supplements. You just have your meat and salt and water and you'll be fine. And the gut, like the loose stools, it's just, it's just a period of time that you need to overcome. But again, my clients, I have clients that have been doing it for a year and a half and they still have loose stools that at a certain point, the dogma is causing them to feel horrible and just kind of grin and bear it. And that's not right. Right. So For me now i've become an advocate of more personalized carnivore i think you need to figure out what works best for you listen to all the advocates get the good you know little golden nuggets but you have to figure out what's right if you are still having loose stools a year in you need to work on something right if you are waking up multiple times a night there's something going on i just i just hate to see people sort of think okay well now that I'm meat-based, I can get rid of all my supplements, I could get rid of all my medication, and I'm going to be healed. And the thing is, as more people are doing it, they're finding that it's not true.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a huge advocate for carnivore. I think it's great. I mean, most of my closest friends are all carnivore. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm pr- pretty much carnivore, so I've got no problems with with carnivore. But it, it is interesting because I feel like the carnivore has done a really good job at, at marketing and promoting what it is and people see a ton of success with like if they're coming from a standard American diet they're going to see a massive success I mean there's a there's a lot of good that comes from it however because of that I feel like if anybody is not feeling optimal right off the right off the bat and right out the gates it's like they're almost shunned from the community and it's just pointed to the fact that oh they didn't didn't take in enough salt they're not eating enough meat or they're not hydrated, or something. It's one of those three things, basically. And there's not really a whole lot of content out on online that I've come across of failed carnivore stories. Like it's like it's like taken down, or some kind of crazy conspiracy thing. Like if you don't if you don't do carnivore and you don't feel right about it, you're doing something wrong, which is weird because I think like anything in life, there is definitely more of a customized approach that's going to get that dialed in for you as well.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. So I I think that if you eat a meat-based diet that you can get to root cause healing and heal a lot of things, but it's not. So lately I've been getting a lot of gut issue questions just because I focus on gut health. And so people are asking me, well, can I thought meat heals everything, so can it heal my SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, or my IBS, or um, you know other things like H. pylori, which is not enough stomach acid, and so these bugs just overtake your um, bad gut bugs overtake your stomach. So for some people, it can help with just meat, but most people, you need to take a gut healing protocol. And I just think it's a disservice when people just believe, oh, um, people say their gut has healed. Yes, if you had gas or you had a little bit of bloat and you are no longer eating carbs, then yes, you won't feel those things because, again, carbs are what causes the gas and the bloat. I mean, we don't, human bodies do not produce gas, it's the carbohydrate. So if mm-hmm. you don't eat those things, then yes, you will not feel gas and bloat and maybe some burping. But in general, if you have more severe gut disease, for example, and a lot of people do unknowingly, then when they eat meat first, they may have a lessening of symptoms, but over time, they start feeling worse again, and that's a sign that they need more support. But when people are like, oh, no, meat heals everything, it's they don't work with people like as closely as I do, and that's where it's such a detriment because instead of possibly getting to root cause and actually healing the SIBO or whatever it is, they end up going somewhere else because they're like, the diet didn't work. Let me add some carbs in. Maybe the carbs will help.
0: Totally. Yeah. I've, I've seen a few people um that like have, have suffered with like slow transit, for instance, and, and protein obviously does take quite a bit longer yes. to assimilate and be used by the body. So if they've switched to carnivore and they're not consuming foods that are much easier to absorb, like yogurts, for instance, and they're going all meat-based, uh, but their body's having a hard time breaking that down and moving it through the system without having just a ton of bloat and discomfort, what, what have you noticed to be a pretty good fix there? Because that's, that's kind of a tough one within the carnivore space.
1: So, I would have them eat more of a um, higher fat instead of adding. So, the thing is, if you add yogurt, and again, it has fermented carbohydrates. So, you know, like if you think about it, so all these kind of prebiotic foods, so the fermented kimchi, sauerkraut, yogurt, kefir, all of those things are good. But if you have any fungal overgrowth, so if you have like candida or if you have like jock itch or Uh, vaginal itch or you have athletes, but all of those things are kind of indicators of having excess fungus. Mm -hmm. And you do not want to be eating those foods because those foods can actually feed opportunistic yeast. So you will be also feeding your good gut bugs, but then also possibly feeding the bad. So that's where I think a meat-based diet is good. But if you cannot tolerate eating too much protein, that's where you're probably going to have to include more Um, higher fat. And if you cannot tolerate the higher fat, you're just going to have to take some digestive enzymes initially, and try to assimilate while you're healing your body, right? So the goal is that the less stuff you put in your body, the more your body can then heal. And then as you heal, then you can tolerate more foods. And for example, one kind of clinically um, respected diet that they have for SIBO is this like, a drink called the Elemental Diet. So it's it's just uh, broken down nutrients so that you just drink a shake every day for a few weeks. And the thought is that you're not feeding any fu- fuel for the bad gut bugs, and the food is so digested that it it requires less work by the um, by by your uh, digestive process. So for somebody that has something like that, I would recommend a higher fat uh, carnivore diet, and then as they you know, can tolerate more, then maybe we can start adding in other foods or eating a little bit more protein. If they aren't getting better, then I would think of um, possibly these other protocols. But I don't think adding um, these like yogurts are ideal, especially if they're suffering from um, any fungal overgrowth.
0: Gotcha. That makes total sense. Is this this yeah. shake that you're talking about? Is this like a carnivore based shake? What are the ingredients like in the carnivore <laughs> shake?
1: No, I don't think it is. Um, okay. I don't really know what's, I know it's just a ton of nutrients, but it's it's kind of placed in hospital settings. I know that there are some gut, um, gut doctors that recommend it. I don't know what's in the drink itself. I just, I haven't had a client that had to go that route yet, but it is a, it's a viable option if you're super sick and you're not getting better with carnivore.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. One thing that you do really, really well is you, you make these graphics, these infographics that obviously have taken a whole lot of thought and, and attention to detail, but you'll break down you know, you'll compare different types of meats, you'll you'll break down the, the organ meats and you'll show the nutrients. I mean, these these graphics that illustrate the the difference in micronutrients between a lot of the, the hailed superfoods in the plant based community versus that of organ meats is is pretty pretty amazing. But Thank when you. it comes to, to organ meats and, and how to make that more acceptable to the to the mass community, like what what are you thinking there? A lot of people in the carnivore space think that you know, just a simple ribeye. You know, two ribeyes a day is all you need. Other people are much more uh, an advocate for incorporating the organ meats. With you breaking all this stuff down and trying and experimenting, what have you kind of gravitated to there?
1: Yeah, so I, I mean, just being a nutritionist, I do believe that a variety is better. Um I think just in case, uh, you know, for example, uh, pork is higher in thiamine than um, beef is, especially muscle meat. So I think just if you can't eat organ meat, I would try different types of organs, first of all. So there's like cod liver versus chicken liver versus beef liver. Um, I mean, there's duck liver, but I mean, obviously it's not as humane, but you can try that. You can try salmon roe. So I would try different ones, but if you really can't, I mean, just basically uh, from the nutrient breakdowns I've seen, if you have a little bit of muscle meat, and then include egg yolks if you can. If try duck yolks, if uh, egg yolks are kind of, um, you're sensitive to it. And then if you add some grass-fed butter, and if you could get raw ones, that's better, then it covers all the essential uh, micronutrients. So you don't then have to consume as much of the organ meats. I think it's a disservice just to eat uh, muscle meats. It's, I mean, I know there's a lot of people anecdotally, again, that say that they feel the best, but there are some nutrients that are missing. And so, I mean, if you want to do this for long term, I think it's smarter to add a little bit of eggs, add a little bit of, uh, you know, wild, uh, raw or grass fed butter, and uh, or you, or fatty fish. So fatty fish is so nutrient dense. Um, if you can have some sardines with the bones intact, that has calcium in it. Uh, you know, herring, uh, salmon. All of these are really, really nutritious, uh, nutrient dense. Um, what's interesting is with the whole organ meat, so you can actually uh, possibly overdose with vitamin A. Not everyone believes that in this nutri- uh, nutritional space, but technically uh, you possibly can. And so if you have any concerns of that, then you may want to consume a just maybe four to six ounces of liver or organ meat a week. So mm. that's another thing to just kind of be wary of. And if you look at the liver tox, uh, vitamin A toxicity, it's something that people can actually go through. And then if you're also eating carrots, sweet potato, and any of those like bright orange foods, uh, like mangoes, then you could even have a higher risk of vitamin A toxicity. So it's just something to consider. You want to just have a balanced diet in that sense.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. What's been your kind of go-to favorite recipe, so to speak, as a way to incorporate a lot of organ meats and get those nutrients? in? like, do you have a good solid go-to that's a pretty good entry-level recipe that people could just tackle right off the bat?
1: Yeah, so I have a, and I just shared it recently again, but I have a liver, chicken liver pate. So if you don't really like that minerally taste, I kind of think it's from the vitamin A because that's what liver is really rich in and heart, uh, beef heart doesn't have much vitamin A and beef heart tastes like regular muscle meat. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just an FYI. But if you, uh, what we do is we soak, Lemon and a little bit of garlic. Um, And you don't have to use the garlic because some people have digestive issues with garlic. But if you just use a little bit of lemon and I let it marinate for 24 to 48 hours, and it takes a little bit of that minerally taste away. And then after it's being soaked for that long, then I'll just kind of rinse it and I'll cook it on the pan for a little bit. And then I just blend it up, um, add a full stick of butter. Uh, so it's like one pound of chicken liver and then um, eight ounces of grass-fed butter. I blend it up and then I just let it cool down in little ramekins. And I mean, it tastes like uh, it's just very soft, creamy liver pate that's very nutrient dense. It's very fatty, and my kids love it. So they use, they'll eat it on top of bacon. They'll eat it on top of cheese crisps, and um, or but for me, I just you know put it on top of steak. But I'll just eat like an ounce a day when we have it, and our, my kids too, they'll eat a whole ramekin full, which is probably about like three ounces. But that's the easiest way. It has the least amount of kind of like that liver flavor. You could do it with beef, but beef, I think you still can taste some of that mineral leaf flavor. Mm-hmm. The other option is trying cod liver. And um, again, you can even try vitamin A, or, I'm sorry, you can also try like salmon roe, which is, you know, it's a different flavor, but it's so, so nutrient dense with brain health uh, supports like DHA.
0: Totally. Cod liver is is not a very attractive looking dish but it, it tastes <laughs> it's super not. mild like it's actually I, I like it I enjoy it
1: yeah I um you know what I do is I because it, it it does taste fishy so I'll make an egg I'll make an egg scramble add a little bit of sardines and then kind of mash up the cod liver and then you can't taste the cod liver it mm. almost sounds like I mean it almost tastes like you're just eating sardines and then it's so nutrient dense so like I highly recommend it
0: yeah, I'll have to give that a try. I'm, I'm a fan of sardine. I mean, I like it all. I eat it every day. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so that, that's easy yeah, enough yeah, for yeah. me. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned your kiddos. Are they pretty much carnivore as well, or what's their nutrition looking like?
1: Yeah. So, when I first really dive deep into nutrition um, and I was going to nutritional therapy school, uh, I had them pretty much keto carnivore. So, they were eating less than 20 grams. I was that mom at parties where I'm like, no sanitizer no pizza, you know, and no <laughs> cupcakes, but I've loosened up a little bit. I I, th- I believe, um, you know, because I had my eating disorder, I want to make sure I'm very, very mindful of that. So now I let them partake in little things. I think they eat about 50 grams of carbs every day. And sometimes it's candy. I mean, Mm -hmm. to be honest, and, but it's again, to let them know that nothing's off the table, but you just know that you don't feel as well when you eat these kinds of foods. So, uh, they primarily will get carbohydrates maybe from a little bit of fruit, but in general, they are very, very meat-based. I think they have about almost a pound of meat a day. And uh, I mean, they're, they're really, really active kids. They don't have the crazy moods that I see a lot of kids that go through those sugar um, kind of roller coasters go through. They almost never drink juice. Uh, they, you know, I'm very, very opposed to food colorings. I talk about why in the book, but uh, yeah, they're, I would say they're keto. Um, I, I haven't checked their blood glucose and ketones in a while, but they used to always show up having ketones.
0: Yeah, I mean, less than fifty grams for a growing adolescent. I mean, that's that's not much carbs at all. I mean, I'm sure they're yeah. burning through that in no time. Yeah, one one thing that's gained a lot of traction here lately is this, uh, you know, the concept of linoleic acid potentially causing fat cells, adipocytes, to to be more fat sensitive, insulin sensitive, which would not be a good thing, um, versus right. stearic acid, which is has been shown uh, to to be advantageous from from making those fat cells, those fat adipocytes, uh, insulin resistance. So in a good sense there, what, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think this is the one blessing of me not being part of the nutrition space for so long. I've just been in it for maybe like three years now, and I've been seeing clients for over two. So, uh, having all of that said, the thing is I don't jump into certain kind of weeds or, you know, get into the linoleic acid or the stearic acid, all of those things may be true, right? So I dug into some of that repeat diet science of, you know, do we need carbohydrates for hormonal health? Is cortisol too taxing on cellular energy? All of those things at the end of the day may have some snippets of truth. I've talked to some of the people that are huge fans of the linoleic acid, and then versus the stearic acid, and are the non fans of the linoleic acid and fans of the stearic acid. And so I believe that they fully believe in what they're saying and that this is kind of like the golden nugget that can heal everybody. But the thing is, our bodies are so much more complicated than that, right? Mm -hmm. I have had clients that eat nose to tail, that eat only beef, that eat only the grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Their linoleic acid is still moderately high. They are, uh, they still needed hormone medications. They still needed supplemental support, right? So I think to say that there's this one truth or this one thing that makes people heal, right? So this is it. So don't eat any more grocery chicken or don't eat any more grocery pork and you are going to be thin. I think it's a lot more complicated than that. There again, maybe 1% of truth and in terms of like a lever that you can use later down the road. But for somebody that is metabolically challenged that are you know high on sugar that need to just get off that, just eat the meat you want, eat to the, and if you have low energy, maybe you need to add more fat, but just make it really simple. And then later down the road, if you have five extra pounds that you want to lose, or you're trying to get to bodybuilding physique, then maybe you can remove the chicken or the pork that's has more linoleic acid. I just think that we are on the same mission, just trying to heal. And these little nuances are just not as significant as we are kind of diving into. And for the average person, we just need to remove a lot of the toxic foods. So the seed oils, the sugars, the processed carbohydrates. And then from there, we just need to do some healing and then we can get into the deeper dives of macros and all that stuff. But for the average person, it's not a big deal.
0: I I totally agree. And I I mean, I am very much an advocate for nutrient density and quality of yes. where your food comes from over, you know, the opposite. Uh, I, I do think the evidence is compelling in favor of stearic acid, palmitic acid, as opposed to linoleic yes. acid. But I do not think that is the one make or break, you know, <sighs> missing link that's going to correct the human society's course in obesity epidemic by any means.
1: Right. I mean, I think the message should be first, hey, just get rid of all the uh, you know the soybean oil and the canola oil and you'll be far better right than worrying about the little amount also in the pork and chicken 100% so right, there might be some truth to that and i think there is a little bit but in general if you remove again the soybean oil which is in everything and canola oil and all the different plant seed oils which those are the ones that have a lot of the the poof, the polyunsaturated fatty acids I think, you know, that's the first step. And I th- I would hate for people to leave a carnivore diet or keto diet because of all this, you know, all these little nuances that when you're brand new, it's it's really overwhelming.
0: Yeah, yeah. So on that, I mean, what do you think is, is the trajectory that we're headed towards? Like with, with the keto space, with the carnivore space, like do you think the nuance is becoming so significant that it's going to be our demise or do you think it's, I mean, what what do you think is going to, the next five years are going to look like within the space?
1: Well, um, so I don't follow the keto space as closely, so I can't say, but I I feel that there's so much traction that, and you know, so many people healing that I do think it's kind of here to stay in terms of the carnivore space. I mean, that's sort of why I wrote the, um, my upcoming book I try to get sort of all of my ideas in one place where people can read it, can understand the science, can understand you know the nutrients. Like, well, what about vitamin C and fiber? All of those things are in there. And then in terms of even the environmental impact, um, you know, the sort of social impact of eating a meat-based diet. So I really advocate for a personalized approach because I I think it's better, right? So I understand the sale, the sales pitch of, hey eat just meat based, you can look like beach body ready, right? But the thing is, as if you have a false uh, conception of what a meat based diet will do for you, then once you're three months in, you're going to get frustrated, right? Like, hey, how come I don't look like that? Or why don't I feel as great when I've been doing this strictly for three months? But and so a lot of people will then say, screw this diet, it doesn't work for me, I'm moving on to the next but i do believe from all my research and all the nutrient density and even if your gut is really messed up meat will be way more bioavailable bioavailable than any plant-based food and knowing all of that i feel like it's a disservice if we don't allow people to see that hey meat-based is really the ultimate diet but you may have to modify certain things you may have to use certain levers and as we make it more realistic of a diet, I think people can stay longer and actually heal. And that's sort of my goal is really in the carnivore spaces, knocking down dogmas, I'm no longer going to follow the points of view as Yeah, you should eat two pounds of meat, meat heals everything. I don't agree with that. I've seen over 100 clients that are just meat based. And I'm I'm telling you, that is not the case. Um, If if meat was healing everything, no one would be especially these meat based uh, clients would not be working with me, right? Something is not working. Um, and so I, I, I would hope that in the coming years, that for carnivore, especially that we become more realistic, we can talk about, hey, actually, if you eat too much protein, your blood glucose can go up, you may not feel well, you may wake up in the middle of the night, hey, a keto carnivore approach may be more therapeutic. And so it may be beneficial to add high quality fats. Um, you know, talking about, hey, Carnivore is not a super weight loss diet. So if you are metabolically diseased, and you have obesity, then yes, you will lose some weight. But if you wanted to be that kind of model thin, size zero, you may not get there, right? Just breaking down these dogmas and just making it more realistic will help people to kind of stick. And then hopefully, as they run into a wall that they can figure out, okay, what do I need to do to fix it, rather than this diet is not working for me.
0: The fact that you're you're not bringing all these underlying biases and and dogmatic way of thinking into the equation makes me incredibly excited to read your book yeah. there There's a lot of books that have been pitched to me, a lot of books that have been gifted to me, and I have limited time, but I'm actually truly excited to read your book, which which goes live here. next month, right?
1: Yeah, it goes live on December second, so right now you could get pre-sale and i'll I'll get your address from you and I'll send it to you too. So yeah, I would love for you to read it. Um, you know i I worked on it for over a year. And uh, over a thousand hours, I, you know, cause I would get the same questions over and over. Like, how do you feel about the environmental, you know, concerns of meat? What about the nutritional deficiencies? What about hormones, zero carb? Like, how do I even start a carnivore diet? What about macros? All of the things we're talking about and more are in this book. It's a it's a pretty hefty book. So I, I really try to have it more as a resource than just a kind of quick read through. Um, So that if you are, you know, going through hormonal changes or menopause, then you can look at that at that time, right? So it's, it's really just to bring more awareness and realness to the carnivore diet and make it more science based and realistic so that you or the person that's doing carnivore trying it that one they can personalize it if it's not working fully. And then two, for people that have never tried it, that they can wrap their mind around the science and, you know, some of the toxins in plants, even in organic ones. So it's just, you know, starting the discussion in a more, I guess, balanced approach. if that Yeah. Yeah. So. I
0: mean, and you're bringing a very interesting perspective to the table because you, you've done, I mean, you You've done it all. Like you've done the plant-based, you've done the keto, you're you're doing carnivore now. So I feel like you bring a very interesting perspective that anybody could could really benefit from. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm super excited to read it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I think the fact that I just haven't been studying biology and you know, I was pre-med for a period and I, you know, studied psychology and that's my degree at Berkeley. But, you know, I'm not so married to a certain science, right? Because when I was digging into the vitamin A toxicity, it's really fascinating. But would would I put bet all my you know cards on just vitamin A? Probably not, right? So I think there we have to always remember that our bodies are so unique. Genetics absolutely plays a role, even with epigenetics, and you know we all look different. We're from different parts of the world, and we our, our natural ancestors ate different foods. So knowing all of that to say that the answer is this one thing is such a disservice. And I think that as we kind of have a proper diet and we can just use the proper mechanisms to make it more personalized, I think it it will be such a healing um, elimination diet especially.
0: I could not agree more. What is the, uh, the website and the book title?
1: Sure. So the book is called The Carnivore Cure, C-U-R-E. And the reason why I named it that is because, you know, there's a lot of elimination diets out there. There's autoimmune paleo. So if you're paleo, but you have more of an autoimmune disease, which is basically gut health driven. Um, You know, there's a certain diet for that. There's the gaps, the uh, gut and psychology syndrome. And there's all these other elimination diets like Whole30 and so on and so forth. But there's no elimination diet that removes all plants and uh, fruits and vegetables. And so that's sort of how I coined Carnivore Cure as an elimination diet. And then it just gives you all the science and information for it, but it's at carnivorecure.com. And the ebook is ready for presale on Amazon right now. And the paperback can be bought at Carnivore Cure. And on December second, it'll v- be available at both places.
0: Awesome, awesome! I will link out to those for sure. Totally random and off topic. Well, not too yeah. too off topic, but have you ever been hunting yourself?
1: No. So I'm actually um, I have a really, really kind of uh, bleeding heart, and so you know I used to see like roadkill, and then I remember my high school friends would want to go back and see the dead kill, kill and I would actually start crying because I, I I just have a really soft spot, and so. I think for me with hunting, and I I guess I have to experience it, but it's just, I I think I would feel really sad if that even makes sense. Um, Yeah, I just, yeah. So I haven't, but I I do want to try it, especially as my boys get older. I would love for them to just be one with nature. That would be amazing. And I mean, we're in Texas, so it's like a great place to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I ask because I I love seeing people bust through this like bias or this this dogma or just do things that that people would not expect a person of that uh you know outlook to do. So for okay. you to go from plant-based to keto to carnivore be preaching the message that you are um I think it would be an awesome experience for you and and your kids uh to do that. And then I feel like like my wife for instance, she went hunting for the first time last year and and she was was thinking the same as you are now like she thought it would be like she's very you know animal lover she thought it would be very hard and sad for her to do but then when she did it when she had that successful kill and then we like processed the deer and we cooked our own deer meat and it nourished our bodies it made the whole thing full full circle and her appreciation for where her food comes from and just life in general was amplified and I would imagine based off of everything you know I've heard you say thus far you would have a very similar experience so I would definitely encourage you to 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 try it at least once and just experience it and see how it it shapes your thinking towards carnivore in the first place.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. No. And I've heard the, that type of story. So and that's really powerful, right? Just being able to appreciate even that much more the meat. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would love to try that. I just, I guess, waiting for the opportunity um, to, for it to happen. But it it sounds um, it sounds powerful. Just hearing what you said and imagining it. And uh, yeah, it sounds amazing.
0: Hey, we'll make it happen. We'll have a big carnivore keto (laughs) hunting trip or something planned. I feel like that'd be good. Yeah, I would love that. That
1: would be amazing.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Judy, I can't thank you enough for the time. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I'm very excited for the book release. And if there's ever anything I could do for you, just let me know.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You bet. Take care.
1: Okay, you too. Bye-bye.